With Hashem's assistance, we learn about Bukhama Daf Lamed Beis, page thirty-two. We begin at the Mishnah on Lamed Aleph Lamed Beis, page thirty-one B at the bottom. Zeba b'chavita v'zeba b'karasai. If let's say you have two people walking in the public domain, one's carrying a barrel, one's carrying a beam. Nishbar akadah zeba karasai shulzeh. So we're not talking about a case over here where one's behind the other, but rather it seems that they're coming from different directions, perhaps. So now, if the barrel gets broken by the beam, so then there's no obligation to pay. Why? Shulzeh shus lahalich, lezeh shus lahalich, because they both have equal rights to be walking in that place, and therefore they. They both have to equally be careful about the other person. So the person who whose barrel got broken, he has to be careful that it shouldn't knock into the person with the beam. So therefore, the person with the beam is not responsible. Let's say the person was walking one behind the other. So you have the one who owns the beam is walking in front, and the one who owns the barrel is behind. So in this case, so if the person who's behind, his barrel gets broken by the person in front, which is the person with the beam, so there's no obligation, the person who owns that beam doesn't have an obligation to pay and Rashi explains because the person who was walking behind was trying to walk too fast that's why the one who was walking behind with his barrel ended up getting his barrel broken because he was trying to catch up or he was trying to walk faster than the one in front of him so that's his own negligence we come on to the top of Lama Bezim Allah, page 32a however if the reason that it got broken was because the person in front which was the guy who was carrying the beam stood still so then there is an obligation upon him to pay because it's his own negligence that causes damage and if he if he stood still and he told the guy behind him, you should also stand still, so there's no obligation. Let's say the person who was walking in front was the one with the barrel. The person who was walking behind was the one with the beam. If the barrel got broken by the beam, so there, there is an obligation. Because here too, again, so the person who's walking behind is trying to walk faster, so it's his negligence, and therefore that's why it broke. That's why not, there is an obligation on the one behind to pay meaning the one who owns the beam. The Ma'amad Balchavis Potter, however, if the one who was walking along with the barrel stood still, and that's why it broke, so there's no obligation on the, on the owner of the beam. The Ma'amad Balkaira Amoid Chayev. And if he had stood still, and he told the guy behind him, the one who was carrying the beam, to st- stand still as well, and he didn't, so then there is an obligation on the owner of the beam. And it will be the same type of case. We don't have to specifically be talking about a barrel and a beam. We could also be talking about a candle, a fire, that's setting fire to flax. We'll also have the same type of situation, similar to the halachas that we've stated until now. We begin the Gemara. Bamine Rabbi Barnasa me Ravuna. Rabbi Barnasa asks the following question of Ravuna. If someone, while he's having relations with his wife, causes damage to his wife, what's going to be the halacha? Is he going to have to pay her for the damages or not? Kevin de Rishus Ka'avid Pater. The the, the sign that he should be putter, he should have no obligation to pay, is since he's allowed to be in that place, he's allowed to be in his wife's domain, so to speak, so therefore, he doesn't have to pay, he doesn't have an obligation. Perhaps no. He should have watched out, he should have been more careful not to cause his wife damage. So he responded, and it's a tinisu, we have it in this Mishnah, our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, that there's no obligation to pay, why? Because they both have permission to be there. When there's permission to be there, so there's no obligation to pay. I'm a rubber, so rubber says like this, Kalva Actually, I can show you that it's not true, that there should be an obligation to pay. From a logical derivation. In regards to a forest, where someone causes damage to another person in the forest, or he kills him in the forest. So they both had permission to be there. They both went in. It's considered as if you went into the domain of your friend. Ruvain, who caused damage to Shimon, they were both in a forest that was a public forest, and Ruvain caused damage to Shimon, and now it's considered, why does he have to pay? Or why does he have to run off to an Ir Mikla? Why does he have to run to a city of refuge if he killed him? Because it's 
consider that he went into the domain of his friend of Shimon, and there's an obligation. So in the case of, of the question, which is marital relations, where he literally went in to the domain of the person he caused damage to, so certainly there should be an obligation to pay. So Gemara says, So wait, but how are you going to explain our Mishnah? Because our Mishnah says explicitly that where there's permission for both of them to go, then there's no obligation for them to pay. So the Gemara answers, in the Mishnah, so they're both equal, they're both moving, they're both doing actions equally. And therefore, we can't point the finger and say, it was this one's action that caused the damage. So, but in regards to relations, so the man is the one who's doing the, the main action, and therefore, it's his action that caused the damage, and she's not doing anything, she's passive in a certain sense. And therefore, the damage that was caused, the pain that was caused, so he's going to have to pay for that. So the Gemara says, What do you mean? She's not involved? It's not considered that she's done an action. The verse says, In regards to illicit relations, the verse says that the souls of those who have done this illicit relations, so their soul is going to be cut off from, from amidst their nation. The, so, But it refers to them as those who did it. And it's talking about the man and the woman. So we see that she does have an action. She is involved. So how can you say that only the man is involved and therefore there will be an obligation for him to pay? The Gemara answers, when the Torah says that it's considered that they did it, that both the man and the woman were involved in this action, it's because she had a benefit. She enjoyed that experience. However, so that's enough for her to be called that she did something to cause her to be punished. However, but in regards to who actually did the physical action, who's the one that actually caused the damage, so she didn't actually do anything, and he's the one who did all the action, and therefore he's going to have the obligation to pay for any damage that was caused to his wife. The Gemara continues, we said in the Mishnah, if you have the guy who has the beam walking in front, the guy who is walking with his barrel behind, Amar Ishlakish. So Ishlakish said, this is something that we said earlier, that when you have two two cows in the public domain, one of them is crouched, which is unusual, and one of them is walking along. Now the, the cow that's walking along kicks the animal that's crouched on the floor. Petura, there's no obligation to pay, like we explained previously. So the reason is because both from the side of the animal that got damaged and from the side of the animal that caused the damage, there's something unusual happening. If let's say the animal who kicked was the one that was crouched, he, the, the animal that was crouched kicked the animal that was walking along, there is an obligation, as we said, because the, the, there's only something strange from one side, from the side of the one causing damage, but not from the side of the one that's being damaged. Because the animal that's getting damaged is just walking along on its regular course. So now the Gemara says, Let me say, let us say a proof to Reish Lakish from our Mishnah. If the one who owns the beam was walking in front, the one who owns the barrel was walking behind, so if the beam broke the barrel, so there's no obligation to pay, because the one who was the barrel owner, he was walking too fast, it's his own fault. However, if the owner of the beam stood still, then there is an obligation upon him to pay. In the second case, so it's similar to the case of the cow, which is crouched, kicking the animal which is walking along, right? Because here we have someone doing something unusual, which is he's standing still in the middle of the public domain, and he's causing damage. And we see that there's an obligation to pay. So that's a proof to Reish Lakish. It's exactly like what Reish Lakish says. Gemara says, hold on a second. That doesn't make any sense. You want to bring a proof to him? Not only haven't you brought a proof, we can actually ask a question based on this Mishnah. Because the only reason that Rish Lakish said his halacha, why does he say that there's an obligation to pay when the animal that's crouched 
causes damage to the animal that's walking along only because it kicked. Huh, who's coming male potter? But if it caused damage to it while the animal is just walking along, it tripped. The animal that was walking along tripped over the animal that was crouched. Potter, there would be no obligation to pay. Right, that's what Rish Lakish implies. Bamas Nisin, what's our mission talking about? It's not talking about a case where the Balkora, the owner of the beam, intentionally went and caused damage to the owner of the barrel. Rather, Dimemela. It's an, something that happened, it's a, it's a damage that, that occurred just by the way. And we see in our mission there's an obligation to pay. So that would be not like Rish Lakish. The Gemara answers, The case of our Mishnah is where that the, the Balkor, the one who owns this beam, is blocking off the entire road like a dead carcass. And therefore, that's why there's an obligation for him to pay. But in the case of the animal where it's crouched, going to somewhere where it's ca- crouched on the side of the road. So the reason that there's no obligation to pay if it tripped over it is because the animal should have been walking on the other side of the road. Meaning the animal that's walking shouldn't have walked over to the side where the animal that's crouched is. So therefore, the only time that there's going to be obligation is only if the animal that's crouched actually kicks and does something strange. says, actually, we can prove Rish from the second part of the Mishnah. Because it says, if the one with the barrel was in front and the one with the beam was behind, and then what happened, the barrel got broken by the beam. So there is an obligation for the owner of the beam to pay because he was walking too fast. If the one who had the barrel stood still, then there's no obligation on the one who has the beam. When this owner of the barrel stands still, and then the owner of the beam walks into him, so that's exactly like the case of the animal where you have two cows, where one cow is walking along, and it causes damage to the one that's crouched. And we see that there's no obligation to pay. So it's a proof to Reish Lakish. says no. The Mishnah is talking about a case where it's walking along in its normal way, and that's why there's not going to be an obligation to pay. Hacha Amr but it could be that our Mishnah would hold in Reish Lakish's case, he would say to him like this, Granted, you have permission, so to speak, to walk along and to trample me, maybe. But to kick my animal and to cause it damage, you don't have a right to do that. And therefore, our Mishnah could be withhold. There would be an obligation on the owner of the animal that was walking along, even though there's something unusual from both sides, there would be an obligation for him to pay according to our Mishnah. So it's no proof to Rish Lakish who holds that there is no obligation. We begin the Mishnah. If you have two people who are walking along or going along in the public domain, one of them is running, one of them is walking, or if both of them were running along, and they cause damage to each other, both of them have no obligation to pay. Begin the Gemara. Our Mishnah is not like Yisab Yehuda. The time we have a Brisa, Yisab Yehuda says, "Rats, a person who is running chayev, has an obligation to pay for any damages that he causes. Because he's done something unusual. And Isi will agree that we're talking about Friday, right before dark. Shupater that any damage that he causes, there's no obligation. Why? Because he's running with permission. Meaning that since a person right before Shabbos is getting closer, has to run to the synagogue, whatever it is, he's involved in whatever he's involved in, so there's permission, so to speak, for him to be running them, and therefore, there's no obligation to pay for any damages that are caused. So now, Amr B'yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan says, Alacha Kisi ben Yehuda, Alacha is like Isi ben Yehuda, that there is an obligation to pay normally when he's running, except for right before Shabbos. Umiyam Rabbi Yechanan Hachi, did Rabbi Yechanan really say this? Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan says elsewhere, Halacha Kista Mishnah, the Halacha is always like the Mishnah, if it doesn't say who it is, it's going to be the Halacha, is going to be that way. Utnan, we have our Mishnah that says, Echad Ratz, Vecham Halech, Ashur Shneim Ratz, and Baturin, that if one person was running and one was walking, or if both of them were running, that there's no obligation to pay. So how could you say that the, that the Halacha is like Yisib ben Yehuda, if Yisib ben Yehuda says there is an obligation? 
obligation for them to pay if one of them is running and one of them is walking. Our Mishnah, when it says that there's no obligation, because it's talking about Friday right before dark. How do we actually see that in the Mishnah itself? From the fact that it says, From the fact that it says a case that if both of them were running along, that there's no obligation to pay. What do we need this case at all for? Once we already said in the first part of the Mishnah that if one of them is running and one of them is walking, there's no obligation to pay. Obviously, if both of them are, are rushing along, they're both running, there should certainly be no obligation to pay. So rather, this is what it means. If one of them is running, Running and one of them is walking along. There's no obligation to pay. What is he speaking about? Erev Shabbos on Friday. Ben Ashmash is close to the dark. But if we're talking about a weekday, if one of them is running and one of them is walking, there will be an obligation to pay. But if both of them are running, even if you're talking about a weekday, then there's no obligation. We said previously, we said, there's no obligation to pay on Friday when it gets close to the dark, there's no obligation, because he's running with permission. What does it mean that there's permission to be running them? What's the concept? Let us go out to greet the queen, the bride, that uh, like someone says Rashi, who's going out to greet the king. So this is something that we do with great alacrity, with great zrizus, and therefore it's something that you have to be rushing for. Those who say that he said he's going out to greet the Shabbos, the, the bride, Malkasa, the queen, Rabbi Yanai, what he would do right before Shabbos was he would wrap himself in his talis and he would stand up and he would say, Come bride, come bride, referring to Shabbos. We begin the Mishnah. The, the Mephorshim here, they changed the Girsa here and they said that the first case is talking about where a person was chopping down wood in a private domain and it caused damage in the public domain. If let's say he started off chopping that wood in the public domain, it caused damage in a private domain. He was chopping that wood in his own private domain and it caused damage in another private domain. In all three of these cases, there's an obligation to pay for the damages. The Gemara begins, We need all three cases. Because if it had to the case where it was he was chopping that wood in the private domain and it caused damage in the public domain, you know why there's an obligation to pay there? Because it's common for many people to be in the public domain. So you should have watched out. But if one is chopping that wood and it's going, it's shooting out from the private domain to the public domain, it's not common for many people to be in the private domain, so maybe there's no obligation to pay. So I think there's no obligation, so that's why I had to say both of those cases. And if it had to the case from the public domain and it caused damage in the private domain, maybe there's an obligation over there because he's doing something, he's not, he shouldn't be chopping down wood in the public domain, he's doing something which is out of, out of line. But if he's chopping down wood in his own private domain and it's falling into the public domain, he's doing something that he has a right to do, he has a right to chop down wood in his own private domain. Domain. There's no obligation to pay. That's why that's to say both. And if it had said these two cases, so in the case where we went from the private domain to the public domain, so there's an obligation because there are many people there. And where it went from the pro- public domain to the private domain, it's because he's doing it without permission. But in the case where he's shooting it out from his own private domain to a different private domain, so it's not common to have a lot of people in the second domain, and originally when he's chopping down that wood, so he's doing something that he has a right to do, 
lies, he might say that in fact in that case there would be no obligation to pay. So that's why we have to say all three cases to tell you that it doesn't matter if you're shooting it out from a private domain to a public domain, from a public domain to a private domain, from one private domain to another, there's always going to be an obligation to pay for the damages that were caused. The Gemara continues with the Brisa. Someone who walks into the store of a carpenter, without permission, and a piece of wood shot out while the carpenter was working, it hit him in the face, in the face of this person who was visiting him, and the guy died. Potter, there's no obligation. However, if the guy came in with permission, there is an obligation. Meaning, if the person walked in and then he got killed by a piece of wood, so there is an obligation. My chayv, what do we mean that there's an obligation? Rabbi Yosef Rachanina, Rabbi Yosef Rachanina says, Chai ba'arbedvarim. There's an obligation for him to pay four things: pay for nezek, ripui, sheves, and tsar, to pay for the damages, to pay for the pain, to pay for the doctor bills, to pay for his loss of work. So all those things, there's an obligation to pay for. However, in regards to Pater Migalos, there's no obligation for him to run off to a city of refuge because he killed someone unintentionally. Why? Because it's different than the case of a forest. Why? Because when we're talking about a forest where one person is chopping down a piece of wood, chopping down a, a tree, and the, the head of his axe falls off and kills someone. So each person went in there with permission. They both had a right to be there. So, however, in our case, so the person who got killed, he walked into the domain of his friend. And therefore, there's not going to be an obligation for the person who caused the death to have to run off to a city of refuge. It's actually a logical derivation that should require that he have to run off to a city of refuge. If we find in regards to a forest that each one went in with his own knowledge, with his own awareness, it's considered that the other guy was aware of the other person, the Gaila, and therefore there will be an obligation for him to run off to a city of refuge, the one who killed. Over here, where he was for certain aware, he got permission to walk into his store. Like Kalshikin, certainly there should be an obligation on the person who caused the death to have to run off to a city of refuge. Ravas says, My partner Miglos, what did we mean when we said that there's no obligation for him to run off to a city of refuge? It's not enough for him to attain his atonement by running off to a city of refuge. It's not going to be good enough for him. Really, he should, but it won't help him. What's the reason why it's not going to be good enough? Because when do we say that a city of refuge is going to help him gain atonement? Only if he did something completely unintentionally. But over here, where he did something unintentionally, it wasn't regular unintentional. It was much closer to being done intentionally. Why? Because once he knows that the guy is there, he should be much more careful about not causing this death. So therefore, it's not going to help him to run off to a city of refuge. Because it's almost considered like he did it intentionally. When someone kills someone else intentionally, there's no obligation to go into exile. Massive Rebbe. Rebbe asks the following question. If let's say they're giving someone lashes and they determined that he's supposed to get a certain amount of lashes and they added on an extra one that were the person who was giving him the lashes and the person passed away. So the one who gave the lashes has to go into exile because of this. This case also is a case which is a mistake which is very close to being intentional. It's almost like he killed him intentionally. Because he should have realized if they said that this guy can only take 20 and he gave him a 21st lash so a person could die with that extra one so we see over here that the opposite is true that he doesn't go into exile even though it's something that's very close it's almost like he caused the death intentionally 
So Rav Simi Menadah says the mistake wasn't that he that they had counted off that he can only handle 20. And the guy giving the lashes gave him a 21st one intentionally. But rather the mistake was that when they were counting, so they miscounted, they thought they were giving him 20, but they actually ended up giving him 21. So therefore, in such a case, he will go into exile. That's, that's not considered Shogun Karv Lamezid, a mistake that's close to being done intentionally. So when, when Rava heard this answer from Rav Simi, so he hit him on a shoe. Amar lei, atu humani. Is he the one, meaning the one who's giving the lashes, is he the one actually counting? Vahatani, we have a b'raisa, godol shabedayon kare, the greatest one of the judges, so he reads out the verse, there was a special verse that they would say when they gave out the lashes, vahasheni moina, the second one, it sounds like the second greatest one, he he counts out the number, vahashlishi amar hiko, the third one says, hit him. So the person who's actually striking can't be the one who's actually doing it. And why why should he have to run to exile if he's not the, he's not the one who made the mistake? So if Simi says, rather the mistake here was the Dain himself, the judge actually was the one who made the mistake. And it sounds like, the way I understand it, is that the judge is the one who's going to have to go into, off into exile. The Gemara asks another question. Somebody throws a stone into the public domain, and he kills somebody. So the person has to go into exile. He goes off to a city of refuge. In this case, is a case where it's a mistake that was almost intentional. The person has to realize that it's common for there to be people in the public domain. What does it say? It says that he goes into exile. It's not like what we said previously. It's because it wasn't intentionally like he actually threw it and there was complete negligence, but rather he was taking down his wall and one of the stones from the wall fell and killed somebody in the public domain. The Mar says, wait, again, this is something which is very close to being intentional because he should have watched out what he was doing. The Mar says, it was, he was taking it down at night. The Mar says, at night and he also has to watch out for people in the public domain. Now he was taking down his wall during the day, but he was taking it out right next to an area which was a dump. Hi, Ashrayhidami. So the Gemara wants to know what does that help us? What is this dump? Is it a place where there are people or not? If it's a place where there are a lot of people that go there to relieve themselves, use it as a bathroom, so then it's almost like he's done it intentionally. And if it's not common for people to go there, then he's not at fault at all. Papa says, What do we need this case for? What's it talking about? It's talking about a place where people use it at night to relieve themselves, to use the bathroom. But it's not usually used during the day. So there are sometimes people who will, during the day, use it. So he's not considered a person who's done it intentionally, or even close to intentionally, because it's not normally used during the day. But it's not completely uh, freed from any kind of blame. Because there are occasions where people will come and use the bathroom even during the daytime. So therefore, that's why he will go into exile, because he's not completely negligent, and he's not completely free of blame. Rav Papa Mishmeh the Rav Masnila Rav Papa in the name of Rav said that this statement of Rav Yisri Bechanina is going to go on the first case of the Brisa, not on the second case. Hanichnas the Chanusah Shel Naga. What was the first case? Someone walks into the store of a carpenter Shalabishus without permission. Venitzlei Bikas and out shoots a piece of wood with Tavchalei Alpanav and knocks him in his head. Umeis and he dies. Potter. So there's no obligation. On Rav Yisri Bechanina, Chayiv Barbad Varm. There is an obligation for any kind of damages. Upater Migalus. But there's no obligation for him to go into exile. 
Okay, so this statement of Rabbi Yisubar according to this version, was stated on the first part of the Brisa. Now, the one who says this statement of Rabbi Yisubar that there's no obligation to go into exile, is going on the second case, which is how we had it originally, right? The second case was where the guy walked in with permission. So if we'll say that when he walks in with permission, it's not comparable to a forest, right? Because we said that a forest, that's the case of the Torah, where, where somebody walks into a forest, he walks in there with permission, the other one walks in with permission, one of them kills the other person. So we consider it, the person has to go into Galus, he has to go into exile for causing that unintentional death. So we said, if it's not true, if it's not comparable to the second case, where he walks into the store with permission, so certainly, so certainly the first case, it's not comparable to the case of a, of a forest, and there's not going to be an obligation to go into exile. But the one who says that it's going on in the first case, that there's no obligation to go into exile when the guy walked in without permission, but in the second case, he would say, since he walked in with permission, there will be an obligation to go into exile, just like a case of a yar, of a forest, where people walk in with, with permission, People, you can walk into a forest, and the damage was caused, if someone was killed, then there's an obligation to go into exile, so too in the second case of the Brisa, there will be an obligation to go into exile. Now the Gemara says, Umichai Golos, is there indeed an obligation to go into exile? We have a Brisa that says, that seems to say that it's not true. Someone who walks into the store of a blacksmith, and some spark shot out, hit him in the head, and he died. Potter, there's no obligation for the blacksmith to go to exile. Even if the guy came in with permission. So what do we see? We see that if someone, even if someone comes in with permission, there's no obligation to go into exile. So that seems to be contradicting the last thing that we said. So the Gemara answers, What are we talking about over here? Why is there no obligation for him to go into Galus, to go into exile? Normally there would be, but over here, we're speaking about the blacksmith's student, the one who's coming to learn the trade from him, and that's why there's no obligation. What the Gemara says, what's going on? The student of the blacksmith, what, because he's there, so therefore, he, because he's a student, so he can just be killed and the, and the master doesn't have to go into exile because of him? The master had asked him to leave. And he hadn't left. So the master says, What, because the master has asked him to leave, he didn't go, so therefore he can be killed and there's no obligation on the master? My answer is, The reason that there's no obligation is because the master actually thought that he had left. The master says, If so, this should be true in regards to another person as well. Why do we have to say that the cases where we're talking about the student the Gemara answers on the top of 33a. Acher lesle aims of the rabbi. Highestle aims of the rabbi. That another person won't have the fear of his master, of his teacher upon him. But this one will. The student is going to be afraid. So that's why the person, the, the master, the teacher, the blacksmith is going to not realize that the guy didn't leave. So therefore, that's why he's going to be potter. There's not going to be an obligation for him to go into Gaulus, to go into exile. But if anyone else was there who he asked to leave, then he and he did cause his death, so then indeed the blacksmith would have to go into exile because he shouldn't have expected the person to leave.